my name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Members to Excellence, a podcast that explores the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. We discuss the triumphs and failures that have shaped our lives and our leadership philosophies. I've found that it isn't whether we fail that defines us, but when we do fail, how we respond. Leaders dust off the ashes and use their failures as fuel to work harder and as lessons to come back wiser and stronger, more resilient, more determined, and more committed to excellence. Today, I'm speaking with Frank Schwartz. He is the founder and president of The Unlock Man, a leadership development community which guides and equips leaders to remove self-limiting beliefs and connect to their personal purpose in order to fulfill their potential and their organization's mission. He is also currently serving as the president of F3 Nation, an international leadership organization for men with about 55,000 members across 46 states and four continents. Uh, this uh, F3 Nation uses vigorous outdoor workouts to teach leadership principles. Frank also founded LEC Media in 2007, a corporate communications and video production firm in Charlotte, North Carolina, which serves clients like Bank of America, uh, Electrolux, Verbatim, Honeywell, and, and others. He is the husband of his far better half, Tracy, and is the father of three wonderful redheaded daughters, ages 18, 16, and 12. And man, as the father of a daughter, I, I can appreciate how awesome it is to be the father of a daughter, but uh, to have three, man, that's that's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> it's uh, It's not for the weak of heart, I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, man, I, I want to thank you for coming on and having this conversation. It, it was uh, a little while back where you had me on your show. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, by the time I publish this, uh, I'm sure that will be out. And I want everybody to, uh, you know, to, to go to your podcast and, um, you know, like subscribe do all that stuff uh yeah and vice versa let's let's get the my goal here is to make dave hollenbach famous <laughs> no <I don't> know. <laughs> so uh you know i'm just eager to to dig in and, and learn more about you now that we're on the other side uh, yeah. of the mic. um so like let's let's start off with where it all began you know where were you born and raised and like who were some of your early influences? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was born in Virginia um, and uh, kind of in the northern part, about an hour out of D.C., um, a little, uh, little place called Manassas, uh, if you're familiar. Um, guys who you know, do government work or, or uh, you know, are in the military, things like that, typically if, they, if they've been to D.C., they've heard of Manassas because uh, it's, you know, it's, again, it's not too far outside of D.C., but um, – so yeah, I kind of was born there and lived there until, uh, yeah, until we were in like most of the way through elementary school, I guess, uh, middle schoolish age. Then we moved down to uh, Blacksburg, Virginia, which if you're a, a college football fan, that's where the Hokies are from. 
Um, they haven't been good since Michael Vick, you know, left and, and then went to jail, but that's, that's neither good nor there. We, we don't talk about that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so grew up in Blacksburg and, and, uh, you know, just kind of a nice, small college town, just a really great place to grow up safe and quiet and nice. And, and, um, and then, you know, bounced around just a little bit, got married and then found myself, uh, here in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, where we've lived for the last going on 20 years, I guess, my, my wife and I. So, yeah. And I'm guessing you went to college and did all that stuff. And yeah. Where, where'd you go to college at? Yeah. So I went to college, uh, there right around where I lived. Um, it was a little, little college, liberal arts college called Radford university. Um, it used to be the all girls school, uh, that was just down the road, about a half hour from Virginia Tech, which used to be an all boys school, a military school. Um, and uh, and so the joke that I always tell is, you know, because, you know, a lot of people like if they live in a college town, they go to that college. Right. Or, you know, or someplace nearby. Right. And uh, so I always say, well, Radford's where you go when you couldn't get into Virginia Tech. Right. So that's that's why I went to Radford, because I couldn't get in. <laughs> they were the only ones who would have me. Um and uh, but it, it turned out it was a great it was a great experience and uh, it was a smaller college at the time. I think there was probably, uh, you know, of course, this is, you know, 20 plus 25 go out. Geez, almost going on 30 years ago now. I'm old as crap, Dave. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, it was probably about eight, nine thousand students, something like that. So, yeah, pretty small little college and, and just a, a great, uh, great place to be. And um, and then I studied psychology uh, in undergrad. And then I went back to graduate school and did psychology again. And, uh, cause I thought I wanted to be a therapist. I thought that's what I was going to do. And, um, finished school, went and got a job in mental health. And then I was like, Oh, uh, this is terrible. Like, <laughs> I, I am going to hate this here in a few years. So I better, uh, I better find something else to do. And one of the things I had done, this was way back, uh, when computer video editing was, was really brand new. I mean, it just wasn't, you know, just a couple of years into this thing. And, and, and so when I was in graduate school, I kind of discovered that and uh, decided, you know, well, maybe I'll just go get a job in a you know TV station or something like that. Right. And uh, so I managed to do that and, and moved out to Utah uh, is where I got a job. And partially my uh, motivation for going to Utah was I had met my wife and that's where she lived. So, so that seemed like a reasonable thing to do. We were one of the very first, uh, success stories, I think, because um, again, you know, this is 20 going on 22 years now, almost uh, of marriage. And um, <laughs> we were one of the very first success stories of online dating, right? This was like dial up dating. Like it was, <laughs> it was seriously old school, Dave, <laughs> I'm telling you. And, uh, but you know, we, we, we met each other that way. And, and um, what was it? Love at AOL? You could pr pretty much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> aolconnections.com um actually no so we're we're members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints right mm -hmm. um and uh and so it was actually called lds singles like latter-day saints singles.com um and it's just so like at the time it was so weird you know she was her mom was convinced of course i'm an axe murderer you know who's gonna just you know just murder all her whole family because she met me online and i'm some kind of weird creep and everything and now it's like you know, that's, that's where I can't remember what the number was. It's like 60% of, of relationships start online now, you know, <laughs> some ridiculous number like that. And, um, you know, but back in the day it was, it was unheard of. So, yeah, so I met her, moved out to Utah and got a, got a job at the TV station there. And, 
Um, then after a little while, I was like, you know what, I think I'm, I'm, I'm destined for bigger things. And, uh, so we jumped down to Atlanta area for a little while and I'm, I worked for, a you know, a little, little TV station down there. And then, uh, didn't like that very much. Atlanta was kind of a tough spot to, we just didn't like it very much. It was just too big and, you know, too much going on. And we, we'd both grown up in, in pretty small towns. And so, uh, liked the idea of a city, but that was too big of a city. So we kind of, Charlotte was just a random you know, no, no particular reason. We don't have family here. We have no reason to be in Charlotte. Um, but <clears throat> truth be told, we were flying back and you know, we were living in Utah at the time and flying back to see my folks in, uh, in the Blacksburg area. And, and you can't fly directly into Blacksburg on a big plane because black, you know, the Roanoke airport is about, uh, probably 500 yards long or something. I mean, it's, like, it's just this tiny little, you know, airport. So we, we laid over in Charlotte to switch planes and both of us were sitting in Charlotte waiting for our flight. And both of us were like, wait a minute, Charlotte looks really nice. And if, if you've never been to Charlotte, um, there's nothing to see out by the airport. I don't know what we were looking at that we thought Charlotte was so nice. You know, like, <laughs> we were just like, maybe we could live in Charlotte. And they were like, that was a weird thing to think together at the same time. And so we kind of tucked it back there. But then when Atlanta became, you know, not, not interesting anymore, we just sort of ditched it and said, hey, what? Well, let's just go to Charlotte now. And so I found a job in Charlotte and worked there for a couple of years. And then after that, I sort of said, hey, I'm easily as smart as anybody here. I'm just going to start my own thing and uh, jumped out. And that was about, I guess, 15, 16 years ago now. And I'm um, just sort of, you know, been, been building ever since and uh, having a, a reasonable amount of fun. You know, there's always ups and downs when you work for yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, but the ups have been pretty good. So uh, that's nice. what we've been able to do. All our kids were born here and um, you know, one of them is the oldest one's now headed off to college and uh, you know, we're, 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 we're starting to look at what's the next chapter, you know, what, what's next for us. So we'll, we'll, I guess we'll figure it out as we go, but um, that's kind of, kind of the, the high level of, of where I came from and how I got here. I'm curious. Cause you know, we didn't discuss this before um, the, the 43 feet podcast. Mm -hmm. When did that begin? Ah, no, that's okay. That's a very good question. So Somewhere around, I guess it was like 20, end of 2014, mid, eh, somewhere in like the late fall, I think it was, uh, of 2014, I stumbled, uh, like a lot of guys have, across this group called F3. And at that time, it was, I guess, about three years old or just over three years old, you know, um, and I was, I went to my doctor and she was like, look, here's the deal. You're really fat. And, um, you know, you got high blood pressure, you got high cholesterol, you got sleep apnea. And she goes, look, you know, you, you refuse to exercise. You're basically a stroke waiting to happen. Like that's, uh, that's your next step is either a heart attack or a stroke. And she's like, I think it's most likely a stroke. And I was like, Oh, good. Uh, so I won't even, <laughs> yeah. so I'll be disabled. I won't even be like, like if I drop dead, my wife will be rich. So at least I got that going for me. If I'm disabled, I'm screwed. You know, like there's, <laughs> there's nothing good. So I was like, all right, all right. I guess I better do something. Cause I'm not a big fan of, of medicine. Not that I'm against medicine, but just, you know, I think that medicine is designed to treat symptoms. Typically it's not necessarily designed to treat causes. And so I thought, okay, well, I can do some things to handle the causes of this, which is, you know, I could exercise, I could eat better. I could do a lot of things. Right. So that was about 50 pounds ago, uh, 40, 50 pounds, somewhere in there. And, um, and so I started going to the gym and stuff and, and I just kept hearing about this F3 thing, you know, F3, F3. And I was like, what is this? And there's a guy that worked for me and, and he started losing weight. And so I just asked him and I was like, bro, okay, what are you doing? 
you know, I'm, I'm on this kind of trying to figure out how to get, you know, thinner and, and more healthy. Like, what are you doing? He was like, well, I'm doing this F3 thing. And I was like, all right, fine. You know, I'll go to the stupid F3. I keep hearing about it. Fine. And so I just showed up on one Saturday and, and, um, you know, I, I spent the time working out with these guys and it was pretty, you know, pretty vigorous outdoor boot camp. And it was, I, I remember being extremely cold that day. Uh, and I didn't have gloves because I'm an idiot. I've never worked out outside. Like, what do you, you know, <laughs> heck is this, right? I didn't have the right, you know, gear cold weather wise to, to be out there because F3 is always outdoors, right? I mean, that's one of the, the core principles. And so, you know, work out. Some guy gives me a pair of gloves, you know, another guy's like, you need a hat. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, you're so stupid, <laughs> you know, so get a hat, get some gloves and um, work out with these guys. And then, you know, we can get into it here in a minute, but i tell you what, at the, at the end of the workout, there's, we always participate in something. It's one of our core principles. If you don't do this, it doesn't count. It's not an F3 workout, right? Um, is that we end in what we call a circle of trust. And in that circle of trust, you, you have an opportunity. It's kind of just like an open forum for guys to share whatever's on their heart, you know, whatever struggle they might be going through, you know, they can ask for prayer for something if they're, you know, if they're inclined to do that and, and say, Hey, you know, like, and a good example that I think of is, you know, we've, we've heard everything from, uh, you know, my kid committed suicide, you know, I'm recovering, you know, alcoholic all the way down to, you know, I lost my job or I'm just having struggles with my wife or whatever the thing might be. Right. And we don't, you know, it ain't therapy. Right. So we're not necessarily diving in deep and, and trying to unpack, you know, what's wrong with you, but it is a place for a guy to share and then to, to get some support. And guys lean in, you know, I mean, they really take that stuff seriously. And they're like, Hey man, let's go grab coffee. Inevitably you'll raise your hand and you'll say, Hey, I, I'm having trouble, uh, you know, cause I feel like I'm gonna fall off the wagon. Well, there's, I guarantee you, there's at least two other guys at any given day, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm an alcoholic. I'll, I'll, you know, have you been going to meetings? Who's your sponsor? You know, that kind of stuff. Right. And, mm -hmm. and just a way for men to support each other. And after that experience of, of being in the circle with these guys and then praying with them, because where we are, it's a you know, fairly Christian uh, part of the country, you know, and so they prayed a Christian prayer at the end because that's a typical, you know, kind of takes on the flavor of wherever it is. But um, that's, that's what they did. And I was like, whoa, like this is different. There's something very different uh, about how this is, this, this brotherhood uh, of, of guys. Like it just was a very different kind of thing. And I was like, man. All right. So fine. F3. Okay. So I started just, you know, showing up once a week or, you know, whatever. And cause it was cold. I didn't want to go out in the cold. That's crazy talk. Right. And, um, and then after a little while, I was like, I think I'm going to cancel my gym membership and start just going there, you know, three, four days a week or whatever it is. Right. And so that's kind of what happened. And then to, to bore you with the long details and the weird and strange and twisted story of, you know, how it ended up being that I met the founder and we ended up in the same place and spent a weekend together. And I mean, just like literally my face hurt by the end of the weekend because we were laughing so hard all weekend. I mean, the guy's hilarious. And we just had a very similar, you know, sense of humor, a very similar look on the world and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we become friends and he says, Hey, look, I've had this idea for a while of, doing a podcast and like an F3 podcast. And we would talk about like you know, leadership philosophy and all this kind of stuff. Cause you know, F3 is, yeah, it's a workout group, but it's really a leadership group. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll dive into that in a second too. But yeah, so we sort of uh, just, he was like, have you ever done one of those before? And I was like, 
Uh, no, this is like three, four years ago. Right. So podcasting wasn't quite as big and, you know, and, and popular as it is now. I mean, it was, it was definitely gained some steam. Um, but it wasn't, you know, like the joke is now like every, you know, if you don't have a podcast, what are you even doing? Right. You know, like, <laughs> really, everybody has a podcast, right. It's so easy to do now, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, I don't have any idea how to do this, but I'll figure it out. Right. So, you know, we cobbled together some equipment and start, start doing this podcast. And that was, like I said, you know, whatever that was three or four years ago or more now, I don't even know. Um, but a couple hundred episodes and, you know, um, just a, a, a lot of fun, uh, to do, but it, it's really a, a way for us to, to sort of spread the culture and the leadership philosophy of F3, um, to, to the men who are in F3, but also to hopefully, you know, a little bit broader audience as well. So, um, it was just sort of like a random, you know, I didn't have any plan. Like I remember very clearly the first time we sat down to do an episode, I had, there was no bumper music. There was nothing professional. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, I hit record. So guess what? Let's start talking. You know, and we just, bleh, you know, an hour goes by and we're like, well, that was fun. Okay. So did, I don't know. You know, what do we do now? <laughs> Post it. Okay, great. You know, so we had no idea what we were doing, but, um, but yeah, yeah. It's kind of evolved from there. So. Okay. So what is uh, 43 feet represent? Ah, so one of the other things that, uh, and, and at some point I, I'll, I'll dive in here in a second, just give you kind of the whole, like, what is F3 and, and why are, you know, this craziness that we do and what are we really talking about here? But the, the number 43 is, is arbitrarily significant, right? It's, uh, you know, Dave had this idea that as a leader, you really only get so much good road ahead of you. You know, you're, you're hacking away at the trees and trying to clear a path for men behind you if you're the leader, right? You, you don't get the luxury necessarily of, you know, well-groomed, you know, paved path toward, you know, the goal, right? Like if you're really leading, you're in the underbrush, man. Like you, that's just the way it is. So it was like kind of that idea of like, you know, you're always just a little bit ahead and just a little bit ahead. And you're the one hacking away at the stuff to try and get men to come behind you. Right. And one of the other things that we do at the end of the workout is we always, and I don't know how this evolved exactly other than the fact that it was kind of fun to, to hear, but we give these idiot nicknames, right? Everybody in F3, if you come to an F3 workout and participate, um, you know, you, you are, you get a new name, you get a nickname. Um, and so like, you know, there's a lot of guys that are firefighters, uh, not a lot, but you know, a number of guys that are firefighters that are in uh, F3. And, you know, we would look at something and, you know, so as you can imagine, you know, there's a couple of backdrafts out there, right. You know, right? <laughs> you know that kind of thing, right. You know, a uh, fire plug, you know, this kind of stuff, right. You go, okay, great. All right. Thanks. You know, so they'll name you something stupid, but you, part of that tradition and that, that enculturation at the end is you say your name, you say your age, and then you say your F3 name. Right. And so what Dave noticed was like, you know, uh, you know, Dave Hollenbach, 43, and his F3 name, you know, Frank Schwartz, 43, whatever, right? And so you sort of notice that like kind of the, the median age of guys coming out and sort of dealing with this, this part of their life was like 43 was kind of that, you know, average-ish age. And so that was, you just sort of picked that out of the, the sky, noticing that as a pattern, you know, and said, okay, oh, let's call it 43 feet. And I was like, that eh, sounds reasonable to me. So, yeah. I'd love to say that we had more intentionality behind these <laughs> things. In fact, I'd love to say we had more intentionality behind a lot of things that we do in F3, but mostly the, it's a lot the of 43 uh, tenets, the 43 maxims yeah. of F3. Right? <laughs> yeah. Nope. Not a chance. Right. <laughs> no, no, it usually is. We bumped into something. We thought it sounded funny or cool. Uh, and then, or we noticed that it worked. And so we adopt it and, and we, we sort of, uh, 
there's a concept that, that Dave came up with and actually he's working on a, a book and releasing it here soon called zebra jockeying. And so the idea is that, you know, Dave, if you're getting ready to head to town, right. And you want to ride a horse into town, but a zebra comes out of the barn, I'd probably hop on that zebra biggin, you know, like I, <laughs> I wouldn't make a lot of worry about waiting for a horse. If the zebra comes out and head in the right direction. Great. I'll ride that. So, you know, we, we're very much a, an adapt and, uh, you know, take and, and just sort of adopt and adapt, I guess, in a lot of ways, right? We figure out what works, what doesn't work. We bump into stuff. We, uh, you know, Dave's blog is even called the collision learner, right? We, we say, you know, we collision learn. That's how we do things around here. And we don't, you know, going to a, uh, a classroom doesn't necessarily work all the time. It's not going to teach you everything you need to know. Um, usually the best teacher is failure. So we try to create a lot of space where guys can go out and try stuff and get dirty and bump into things and fail and pick it up and try a different way. And, you know, that kind of stuff, because that's, that's kind of what we're about is, is helping men to go on this leadership journey, uh, you know, uh, in, in their lives. Right. And that could be in their home in their work or wherever it might be. But, um, but we, we believe men should be leaders everywhere. So we, we wanted to have a place where they can, they can try stuff out. Yeah, man, that, that's, that's huge. And it, it's so applicable to this podcast because this was born out of my my collision, my mm -hmm. crash and burn from embers to excellence. You know, it's yeah. like the the best lessons that I've learned in my life were they, they came out of huge screw ups. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Usually excruciating pain of some kind, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, before I go any further, one thing that I, I want to point out for the people listening and they're not actually watching on YouTube, um, on, on my YouTube channel, they can't see you. So, yeah. like, you're extremely fit. Um, okay, I do my best, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when you said that you were you were overweight, you know, like, yeah. yeah, like, you've done some work. A lot. So just how, how tall are you? How much did you weigh? Oh, okay. How much do you weigh now? Yeah. So uh, I'm about five ten, Um, and uh, which for the first few years of my marriage, I had to say I was five eleven because my wife is five eleven, And so she really didn't like the idea of me being <laughs> shorter than her. So I had to lie now that she's okay with that. I tell the truth. Right. So I'm five ten, Um, And uh, so about five ten, and I, I weighed myself this morning. I was about 195, 196, something like that. Um, and, uh, but at my height, I was about, I was just shy of 250, um, is about where I was about 245, 246, uh, in there. And, and I remember, you know, the, when it started to become real to me, yes, my doctor, you know, told me, Hey, you're fat and you need to do something. Right. But also I started noticing little things like I, I'm breathing heavy walking upstairs to my bedroom, <laughs> like not like wheezing, but like. Yeah, I, I could, I'm like, how do I, I could, I didn't even run up the stairs. Like I just walked up the stairs. Like that's bad. And I remember sitting down in the car one time and I, I, I leaned my arm on my stomach <laughs> and I was like, Oh hell, we got a problem. You know, like <laughs> this is not good. I should not be able to do this. Right. And so I was like, okay, well, okay. Maybe I've gained a couple pounds. Like that's fine. You know, that's, uh, maybe I've gained a couple pounds and I, I you know, sure that happens, right. You're married and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I have a little brother. He's three years younger than I am, but he's, uh, of course, he's he's up for his light colonel in, uh, in he's out there in Fayetteville uh, in the army, and uh, and he's super fit. I mean, and he's 
he's uh I, I don't I'm gonna guess I think he's six one or six two uh he's probably about 230 but he's not I mean he's he's a monster yeah. he's a big boy yeah um and uh and so people and his name's John right and so people used to when we were kids they used to think we were twins because he was taller and I was shorter you know and and so you know even though we were three years apart people thought we were twins so we look a lot alike like a lot alike um and uh so one of the things that really hurt my feelings was somebody he told me later he was like yeah my friends used to call you fluffy john i was like ah okay all right so i was fat i get it right i got it right so yeah um so yeah you know that's so that's where i'm at so five ten, and now like i said just just shy of uh of 200 pounds and um you know look this is another thing i'm 47 years old and uh and you know cut it however you like metabolism ain't what it used to be you know and so i i kind of have, have settled in here i had this dream once of being like i could be 185 and lean and fit you know and, and just a monster you know and i was like my gosh you don't realize until you get you know in your later 40s and you're like it's really hard like i would have to make some drastic lifestyle changes and so then i started thinking about like what am i really doing this for am i doing this to look good at the beach i mean that's a nice you know side benefit right that's great um, am I doing this so that my wife thinks I'm sexy? Uh, that doesn't hurt either. Right. But what I'm really doing is why am I really, I'm doing this to, to prolong my life, to have better quality of life. And really ultimately at the end of the day, the reason that I, I participate in any kind of fitness is because I believe that my job as a man is to be extremely useful, uh, to be as useful as humanly possible. And, uh, and no offense to anybody, um, which usually means you're about to say something offensive, but, uh, like, if you're fat and sitting around on the couch, like what good are you? I mean, you might be able to think things and do things. And that's great. But when the power goes out and the, you know, the, your neighbor needs to move or when, you know, whatever the tragedy or the, you know, whatever it might be, or, you know, difficult thing that comes up, like what good are you? You know, sorry, you're just not like if you're an undisciplined man who cannot keep his body in, in some state of physical fitness, you got a real problem. Now in F3, right? Fitness is the first F. So we focus a lot on fitness, but that's just because it's the thing that brings us together so that we can have the other two Fs, which is fellowship and faith, right? So we have this, this fitness component. And I joked with somebody just, just last week on a podcast. <laughs> I said, look, if knitting was the thing that brought us together, Dave, then we would knit, right? But it's not. You know, yeah. fitness is the thing that brings us together. That's the thing that men want. And we recognize that this is a you know critical piece of being a man is being physically fit and doing things where we, we work our bodies. So, you know, it, it helps us to clear our minds. It helps us to be more disciplined and better men. Uh, and so, you know, we, I do this so that we can, I can be useful in these other areas and, and we push ourselves pretty hard in that fitness uh, arena. A lot of times that's part of why, you know, we, we make it free. That's our, you know, first core principles that it's free because we want every man to have it. So we try and lower that barrier of entry so that it's, you know, no excuses. I don't want to hear about, well, I can't afford the gym. Can you afford to walk out of your house? Cause you know, that that's where it is. It's the park across from, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's in a public place. Like that's where we work out, you know? And so we, we always make it free. Uh, the other barrier is some guys go, well, you know, this just isn't really my kind of group of people or something like that. No, man, it is open to all men. That's our second core principle, no matter what. We don't care who you are. We don't care what you look like. We don't care what your job is. We don't care what your sordid past may be. You know, in fact, we've had guys come and say, hey, look, 
you know, I have a felony. Like, do you think I'll be welcome? And we're like, nobody's going to ask. We don't give a crap. You plan on stealing stuff out of our cars while we're working out? Well, no, man, that's crazy. Okay. Like, what do you know? Like, what do you want from me? Like, come, of course, come. This is a place of rehabilitation, brother. This is a place where you come to be you. We take you with all your, your warts and all your, you know, baggage and whatever else. And we don't care. It doesn't mean anything. Are you willing to do the burpees? That's what we care about. You know, <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. If you're, if you're the guy who finishes first, are you going to circle back and help the last guy? That's what we care about. We don't care about any of that other stuff. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Whoever you were is uninteresting to us. We're interested in who you are and who you are to become. Those are the things we're interested in. And so part of that too, is to, to make sure that we always do those workouts outside. And guys are like, what about the guys in Minnesota? Well, I'll tell you about the guys in Minnesota. There could be two feet of snow on the ground. They don't care. Well, what about the guys in Chicago? You know, it gets pretty windy and nasty in there. Yeah, they love it. I don't know what they're made of down there, but those like the guys in Naperville and, you know, and some of these surrounding places where we have, uh, you know, big chapters of, of uh, F3, this guy's eat it up. I don't know. I'm like, bro, if I see snow, ugh, I mean, I'll go out on it. That's fine. But ugh, I live in the <laughs> Carolinas for a reason. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't like that stuff. I don't do that. You know, I don't mind going out in the cold. I don't mind that thing. But I, if it was like cold and snowy every day, oh, forget it. I'd be I'd be miserable. But those guys eat it up, man. They're, they're monsters. So, you know, but it builds our durability. You know, it builds that that mental toughness and that physical toughness that we need to survive as men. In fact, I, I'll tell you this, we, we did a thing here where I am a few weeks ago and uh, we're like, hey, you know what might be fun? Let's try and carry our body weight for a mile and let's see how quickly we can do it. Let's say we can do it in less than 23 minutes. So we gave ourselves this time frame. So I load up, you know, 200 pounds, a uh, couple of rucks and a big sandbag and all this kind of stuff and make an attempt to walk a mile in, you know. 20 ish minutes. And a lot of guys failed and a lot, you know, a good number of guys managed to do it. And, but we look at that and we go, now we know, right. Practically speaking, this is practical fitness to me. Practically speaking, if I had to, Dave, you, uh, you know, I know we've only met over zoom so I can only presume, but I'm looking at you. I'm guessing you're probably about five, 10, five, 11, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe a little taller. Yeah. I'm, I'm six foot even. Okay. Way, way two Oh five. 205. There you go. Let's say about 25, 210. Yeah. So I know without any hesitation, if I was called upon to pull Dave Holland back from a burning wreck, hoist him on my back and run a hundred yards to get him to safety, I would, wouldn't bother me a bit. I know for 100% absolute fact that I could do that easily. And if I had to carry him a mile to the hospital, it would take me 20 minutes. So it wouldn't be fun, but we get him there, you know, like, <laughs> If there was no other way to do it. Now, look, is that going to come up? Probably not. But preparedness is a, is a fundamental tenet of leadership, I think, yeah. you know, and that's our job. That's our, as men, that's what we're supposed to do. Our, our mission in F3, you know, that we, we focus on that fitness fellowship and faith because we want to plant, serve and grow these small men's workout groups in order to invigorate male community leadership. We just see a hole there. You know, we see a place where, men are not called upon to step up in this society. They're called upon to shrink and to go away and to effeminize and to, to disappear if possible. You know, I mean, it's, that seems to be the, the society's desire for us, you know, in a lot of ways. 
and I say society, and I don't mean like the actual people that we know, you know, because <laughs> I don't know anybody, who, you know, like not very many people that, that I know are like that, you know, that want that. They want people to be whoever they are, right? But there seems to be a large contingent, and they're usually the vocal minority who are saying, no, 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 men are toxic, men are terrible, you know, let's get rid of them, right? And we're saying we're not toxic. And we're, there are toxic men. Yeah. There's no question. There's toxic women too, right? There are toxic people. But being a man and being masculine and, and, and serving your surroundings, serving your community, serving your family, taking care and protecting, you know, those things that you love, that's, that's not toxic. That's yeah. just like, that's just your job, right? So our fourth core principle then is that we rotate men through leadership. You know, it's all peer led. There's no professionals. There's no, you know, no, in fact, I'm not paid to do this job as president of F3. Nobody's, you know, nobody's getting a salary uh, to do this because it has to be, it's, it's almost, it's the level of a movement. It's not a, you know, it's not a business, right? right. We, we sell some t-shirts and make a couple bucks here and there on t-shirts you know? And so that's how we fund things like, you know, travel and, and pay the lawyers and accountants and all that kind of stuff. We have to figure out all those things that we do, but you know, generally speaking, it's, it's a self-funded and it's real lean and it's mostly volunteers, you know? And, uh, but, but that's the belief that we have is that men, men need to be elevated back into their, their rightful spots alongside their wives as leaders in our communities, you know? And, and so that's what we're trying to do. Nice, man. I want to circle back yeah. to the, the first question about your early influences, mm. you know, um, wondering what your mom and dad did. I mean, what were you, you grew up in kind of a small community. I mean, where are you close to your grandparents? I mean, you, you've got one brother. Yeah. I got one brother and four sisters. Yeah. So, you know, they played a role in, in sure. who you are today. Like, I'm just curious, you know, in in those formative years and then in the, the years following where you learned a lot of valuable lessons, like who you are today mm -hmm. can, can be, you know, looked at as a direct result of people that you interacted with people that you looked up to people that you wanted to emulate. And, and I would imagine that, you know, uh, quite a few of those are, are in your family. Yeah. Yeah. I, and thank you for circling me back. I, um, one other thing about me is uh, the ADD is strong, Dave. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just end up nowhere if I'm not careful. Right. So thank you for circling me back there. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, again, born and, and, raised for part of the time up in Northern Virginia, then a little bit in Southern Virginia. Um, and Virginia is a wonderful state. I mean, I, I love it. It's beautiful, you know, rolling Appalachian mountains and I mean, just, just a fantastic place to be. And so I am uh, number three um, in, in my family. So my dad was married to, so my two older sisters are from a previous marriage of my dad, his wife, unfortunately passed away. Um, and, uh, and so he had two daughters at that time Then he married my mom and, and she had four kids, uh, on the, on the tail end of that. So, uh, my two older sisters, uh, you know, were, were from that marriage. And then, and then I've got my brothers right after me. And then there were two younger sisters who kind of, you know, finished up the, the line there. And, uh, we grew up, my dad was, a, an oral surgeon. And so he, he did pretty well for himself. Um, and, uh, he, 
you know, so we had boats and we grew up on a lake and had all kinds, you know, cars and nice big houses and went to private school. And, you know, that's kind of how we were raised. And, and as a kid, you know, you don't know, you don't know anything, you know, you're just, you're just, oh, I thought this was what everybody did. Right. And so, you know, we were, we were well taken care of. We were well provided for. And, and once you get a little bit older and you start seeing and understanding the differences between you and your friends a little bit more, you're like, Oh, so not everybody does live like this. And, um, and so that probably caused a little bit of spoiled bratness, you know, in me right. Uh, early on, but that's the way life goes, right. Sometimes that happens. Um, but, uh, my dad was, uh, he was in the military. Um, he served in, um, toward the tail end of, uh, of Vietnam and, um, he was a, a dentist thankfully. So he didn't have to go and, and, you know, be kind of frontline stuff, but he, you know, he worked in, uh, and, and helped, you know, reconstruct faces and all that kind of stuff for guys when they, when they came through. So that was kind of what he did. But, um, and so you might imagine, you know, especially that generation, my dad is now, Oh, let's see. Uh, this is 22. So he's 85. So he's a little bit older. So he's, you know, 85 years old. So that generation of guys, you know, coming through the military, he grew up in a rough neighborhood in Baltimore, um, Maryland, you know, and kind of the projects a little bit, you know, and, um, and so he was, he was kind of a rough, uh, a rough and severe dude. You know, I think, um, he, he, he did his best to kind of calm it down once he got, you know, had kids and stuff, but he, he was pretty, pretty strict dude. And uh, it was tough to, tough to relate. And we, he and I conflicted and, and, you know, butted heads a lot. And, um, when I was younger, um, especially high school and college, like, you know, cause you're trying to be your own person or whatever. And, and, um, because of that, and he, he was pretty rough on everybody in the house and, uh, sometimes, you know, it got escalated and that's, you know, um, without getting to, you know, you always got to be careful what you say about your parents when they're still alive. Cause they could hear this, right. <laughs> so, I don't want to, yeah. he's a good man. I love him. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was tough. It was a, it was a rough, it was a rough growing up sometimes, you know, just that that's just the nature of, of how it was. And, um, and my mom was, was very much a, uh, kind of, you know, she was, she was very much a go with the flow, you know, so she was kind of a path of least resistance. Like she wasn't going to, you know, get involved too much and, and make it matter because then, you know, she'd have to deal with it and whatever. Right. So he, we lived that kind of life. And, um, you know, I was pretty close with my, with my siblings for the most part. Um, but uh, growing up in a, in a, a tough situation like that and kind of a lot of, uh, you know, I always joke and say my, my dad was the kind of guy that if you gave him a thousand dollars, he'd look at it and go, what, you only had fifties, you know, it was kind of that, it didn't matter how you get, like, it was just, that's just the way it was. And you just kind of go, ah, that's doc, you know, and now I can look at it and go, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a feature. That's just how he is. And that's okay. Like, I'm not mad at him for it at the time though, when you're a kid though, man, I tell you, boy, it was a lot of resentment and a lot of anger and, and that kind of stuff growing up toward, you know, toward him and toward how we were raised. And, um, so with all of that kind of baked in there, um, you know, when I'm growing up and, and trying to raise my own family, I was saying like, what, what can I do to not do that? You know, so I, so there's influences early. I, I, the joke we tell a lot is you can either be a good example or a hideous warning, like you pick. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I had some, what I consider to be warnings, but I also from church and other places like that had some really good examples of what I thought, you know, a man and a parent and, and a father should be and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, you're able to kind of divine it out 
and, and, you know, figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work and, and um, what you do and don't want to do and, and things along those lines. Right. But uh, so, so certainly there was an influence there in, in, in understanding and deciding kind of what man, I kind of man I wanted to be and how I want to raise my family. Now, you know, my dad taught me hard work. I mean, it was, there was no question. And he taught me things like, um, you know, quit is a four letter word, you know, like that's right. And that's just not something that we do around here. You know, we're Schwartzmen. We, that's not what we do. Right. So there's a lot of good things that were, you know, it's funny because it's influential in, in both ways. Right. You know, Oh, you have, you know, some of these weird hangups about your self-worth. Okay. Well that came from, Oh, well, but here's these great things that, you know, you wouldn't have learned that if it hadn't you know been so severe. So you go, ah, see, it's just kind of a mixed bag. Right. We just, you know, be grateful for all of it. Um, on that note, just real yeah. quick, because I yeah. had this epiphany today, three words, both are true. So most things in our life, there's, there's black and white. Yes. No positive, negative yin and yang. You know, there's even our strengths come with weaknesses mm -hmm. and when we are looking at the value of something or looking at, you know, maybe a past mistake, how do we define that? Cause it's our choice. Both are true until you decide. Mm. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. In fact, even after you decide both still might be true. You just, you know, <laughs> choosing one over the other. Right? right. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. And that's, that's exactly it. Right. So you can, one of the things I said to some guys uh, in a group that I lead, you know, uh, a week or two ago, I said, you know, you can either, you can look at these things that these events in life, my belief is that events are neutral. They, they have no intrinsic value on their own. Um, you know, the event itself is just a, a series of facts. This is just stuff that happened. And so whether it was a good thing or a bad thing or a whatever is entirely up to how you choose to perceive it. Right. And how you choose to, to, navigate through it. And so I said, look, you know, you can either, I think you can either look at events in life as things that happen to you, or you can look at them as things that were given to you. And I'm, I'm trying hard to choose the latter, you know, and say, no, this was given to me for some reason. You know, I grew up this way, or these things happened to me, or, you know, I had, I almost had, I almost went out of business in 2016. Um, like, I thought, I thought it was over. I thought we were going to go bankrupt. You know, I thought, I thought it was over, over. Um, and, uh, you know, and I can look at that and go, well, that happened to me. And, and these are all the bad people that did these things to me. And this is all the bad situation that happened to me. Or I'm trying to choose and look and say, no, this, there were things that I needed to learn. There were things that I needed to change about myself. There were ways that I needed to parent differently and be different. I wouldn't have found F3 if I had, had stayed as I was. You know, so really that near business failure and that kind of crash to the bottom and that recognition that I'm fat and I'm, I'm out of shape and I'm undisciplined. And this is part of why I'm having these big troubles at work and, you know, my business and all that kind of stuff like that was given to me. And because of that, now I'm able to say, OK, I can make choices to rectify that to, you know, now I can be more successful in business. I can choose to do these things different. But if I looked at everything as I'm the victim and, oh, this happened to me you know, I ain't going to break out of that, man. It's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. As you matured and eh, relatively, 
well, you know, became more refined. I guess. Sure. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. 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 So uh, there are other influences that you know, maybe men in your life, women in your life, maybe you're you look at your wife as somebody that helped you develop better, better as a man. You know, like maybe shined a light some of those areas that you were blind to you know and, and mm -hmm. you know there are there are people in our lives that that come and go they they add the value while they're there and then they're gone there's people that are with us our entire life some that come and stay with us for the rest of our life mm -hmm. but each person plays a role and there are some that are more significant than others and uh you know i feel like you know without knowing you too deeply like i i get a sense that you are the kind of man that wants to be a significant uh person someone that wants to be significant in other people's lives because of the value that you bring and you add to them and to me that's that's what a leader is um that's really how you can develop as a better leader when you can have that mindset of I'm adding value and this is how I'm doing it. And, um, and I'm wondering what you attribute that to. Is it, is it somebody multiple somebodies or was there an event in your life where you're like, was it that, that almost failure of your business? That's a good question. And um, so I would say, you know, and I can, I'll name some of them because I think it's worthwhile, right? There were some guys early on, uh, you know, high school, college kind of time when I was, you know, my head was firmly planted in my rear end and, and I was running around like an idiot, you know. Um, but there was a guy named D Whittier who was, uh, he was a ecclesiastical leader and a scout leader at different times and stuff in my church. And, and, um, and he also, He's the only guy that I can think of. I shouldn't say the only guy, but one of the only guys that I can think of that looked at my dad even and was like, no, nah, he's a good guy. You know, he's a good guy. Because my dad would be pretty severe and he'll try and keep you on the outside. He doesn't like opening up, you know. I mean, he's still to this day, it's not true, but he still claims I've never cried in my life. You know, and you're like, mm -hmm, okay, yeah, sure thing, dude. <laughs> like, I, I've been there for several, but that's okay. It's not important, not important, you know, right? But that's but that's his mentality, right? Oh, that's not, I don't cry, that's nothing I think, right? Um, <clears throat> but he was a, a guy who, even though, my dad would try and keep him out. He, he liked my dad and would, and would, you know, hang out and he would try and be his friend. And, um, and he was super influential. He and his wife both were super influential on me because they had kids my age. And, you know, uh, and so I was friends with one of their sons, you know, we would kind of hang out a little bit. And, and again, I would see him at church all the time. And I'll always looked at them and said, that's a couple that clearly gets it. You know, look at the fruit here. Like these kids are good kids. Like these guys get it. And so I would look all the time and be like, all right, how do I incorporate more of that into my life? How do I be more of that kind of man? Now, there was another guy, Blair Meldrum, um, same kind of thing, right? Who just was, you know, one of those guys that would listen, you know, when you're having some real trouble or some different things, you know, going on, he's one of those guys that would just see it. And he'd be like, why don't you come talk to me? You know, why, why don't you? And there, there, these guys that just saw the potential of what was there. Cause I was an okay kid, you know, and, gregarious and fun and you know whatever but clearly you know directionless you know just lost out yeah. there and um so 
you know, these, these men like that who would lean in and, and say, Hey, I, I see something here and, and, and we're going to, we're going to try and get this kid, you know, directed in the right direction, you know, <laughs> rather than living this life that he's living. And I'd say that the, probably the biggest influence and the biggest change, well, yes, that, that was super influential. Yes. The near failure of my business was very influential on changing who I am. Uh, Dave Redding, the founder of F3, after we became friends and he became a mentor and, and a good friend, um, he, he has, and continues to be hugely influential, probably, I mean, almost more so than just about anybody else growing up. You know, um, he's, he's made, he poured a lot into me and, and spent a lot of time, you know, making me a better man. And I've had great privilege, you know, in fact, I'll just tell you, like, it's ridiculous. And a lot of it comes out of F3 just this morning. Um, a guy who is, he's a, you know, he's a three-star general in the air force. He, he pinged me, you know, and, and on my, you know, texted me and he was like, Hey man, uh, cause we had a, a meeting for F3. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and he was like, Hey, I noticed something I wanted, uh, you know, just maybe we can get a call. Like, would you, would you, you know, give me a call? And I was like, sure. So, you know, we get on a zoom and, and here's this guy, you know, retired three stars and clearly an influential dude. Like you don't get an audience with guys like that very often. Like that's just not a thing. You don't just walk up to one and be like, Hey, I, I got a question. Right. Um, and, uh, and he has chosen now and he said, Hey, I want to tell you a, a couple stories from my, um, you know, when I was, you know, under my command, like, you know, and things that I did and choices that I had to make because he had heard, you know, he heard me and saw the struggle, you know, that I'm trying to have here as I'm explaining some things, you know, decisions that we made in the organization or whatever. And so, you know, these guys that will take this time and just pour in, right? So these are, and, and uh, his name's Ralph Jodas. He's, uh, his F3 name is Red Baron because um, he was in the Air Force, right? <laughs> it's idiot nicknames, I told you. Um, but, uh, and just you know, these hugely influential guys that I'm able to bump into now. And you, you said my wife, and you're absolutely right. Dave, I would be nothing without my wife. It, would, it is comical what a, just a trash panda I would be. <laughs> it would just be terrible. Because she is, and I, I say some of it's just her personality, uh, and maybe it's something we've developed together over time too, but she is the most supportive person alive. She puts up with so much and is, and is just joyous and fine with it. Doesn't matter. I mean, I joke all the time and it is a joke, although, you know, who knows, right? There's some truth in there. But if I said, Hey honey, and came home and I said, honey, I've, I've prayed about it. I've thought about it. And I really, I think that we need to live in a box under a bridge this is our next phase. I joke and say, she would look at me and go, well, do you think we can get two boxes? You know, like that would just like, that would be the big question. You know, there wouldn't be any, cause that's just how much she believes in me. And I'm like, honey, I don't know what happened to you. Uh, but as soon as you figure out what you've done, like this is, this relationship's over. It's going to be terrible. I'm going to hate it. Um, no, but yeah, like, but seriously, like she just, that's how she, she sees the world, man. I don't know why she believes in me the way she does, but she does. And it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. I'm able to take risks that I would not normally be able to make. I'm able to, um, you know, be creative in how we solve problems because she'll support it. And we have become, I feel like, you know, over the 20 plus years now of marriage, I feel like we've become a, a very strong team uh, in how we raise our girls and the way that we, you know, approach our lives and, and um, you know, how we serve our communities and, and in our church and all that kind of stuff. Um, and and I, it, it, would, it, it would not only be almost impossible to do without her 
but it, uh, it would not be worth doing uh, without, you know, if not for her. Uh, that's beautiful, man. You've got three daughters. One's going away to college. The other two are right on her heels. If you never got another chance to talk to them, what is the lesson, the lessons that you would like them to to really hold hold on to as what you gave them? Dave, do you know something about my trip home that I should also be aware of? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's a ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, fortunately, uh, because of my faith, and that and that's you know, you talk about something that influences. Boy, that is. Um, that is a huge, huge, as I imagine it is in most men's lives, right? But that's a huge uh, influence on how I act and what I do and my journey and kind of coming to faith and, and becoming a, a, a true, what I consider to be a true believer of, of Jesus Christ and, 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 you know, his father and, and how that all works, the gospel and all that kind of stuff. Like that's been just tremendous. And, and so many um, examples of men, you know, and, and women who are influential and in, within that uh, organization, that confine. But, um, but yeah, it, as part of that faith, uh, you know, we've been taught and, and encouraged to do certain kinds of things. Like since the time they were kids, I mean, like little, 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 we've always read scriptures together every night, you know, and we've always prayed together every night. Um, and not just over meals, like just, you know, legit, like we keep a running list of people that we know that need prayer. And we, we do that together as a family. Um, we, we set aside, uh, Monday nights typically as, uh, as the time for just family, you know, there's nothing else going on. We won't go anywhere else. We don't have friends over, we don't go to other friends' houses, you know, we've just reserved that as family time. And, and so we've been able to share a lot with our kids. You know, so thankfully, I think, I hope anyway, <laughs> you know, you never know. Right. But my hope is that, that we've told them this stuff and taught them this stuff all along. And so it wouldn't be like, they have to have one of those horrible moments of like, I was reading my dad's journal. And then I was like, Oh, that's what, you know, right. Like, hopefully they've heard it, you know, over and over and over and over. So the things I would want them to know, as far as like a life lesson. I mean, naturally you want to, your kids know that you love them and you tell them all the time, hopefully, and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. So hopefully they get that. They got that, right. They figured that out. As far as like life lesson kind of stuff, I, man, I would probably say that, and we've already kind of talked about it a little bit on the, on this podcast, right. Is that remember that events are neutral and that you have, you have the power to make them what you want. You know, you have the, the power to, to, to choose what it is that, that you, you get out of something. Life doesn't happen to you. It's something that you've been given. And so if you can, you know, I think that's the, for me right now, especially, cause that's just something that has been on my mind a lot lately as I've worked with different guys, but that's a, to me, that's a powerful differentiation. And if you can live your life, understanding that things don't happen to you, you happen to things. That's what you were created for. You know, that's why you're here. You go out and happen to things. They don't come and happen to you. You know, you're a thing to act. Uh, not to be acted on, you know, if they can really get that in their heart and in their mind, I think that influences their decision-making. I think that influences, you know, the kind of people they hang around. I think, you know, that, that kind of thing would influence that growth mindset is, you know, uh, a thing that I think that would influence them uh, tremendously forever. Cause it, it has for me, you know, so 
think that's the that's the lesson I wanted to hopefully have. I'd be interested to hear what they say though. <laughs> what do you think is the lesson that your dad gave you? And they would probably tell some bad dad joke or something. You'd be like, that's all we remember from him, you know? <laughs> right. So yeah. Uh, man, but I really enjoyed this conversation with you. And you know, just like on your show, I, I love talking to you. And, and I'm sure that the people listening to this want to know more about F3 and want to know more about you because sure. you know, we covered a lot, but you know, you're, you're much deeper well than, than what we've dug into here. So um, there's no guarantee that that's true, but uh, I guess <laughs> this may be it. Yeah. Well, it, you know, people I'm sure could get a sense of who you are by listening to your podcast, sure. um, listening to the, the questions that you ask and how you respond to those answers. And, and then, you know, if people want to work out or, or follow you on social media or, you know, just. Yeah. 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 Know, what's the best so, way to, you know, connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, uh, so if you, if you want to learn more about F3, uh, just go to F3 Nation. That's F the number three nation.com. And, uh, and you can find, you know, there's a map there that has, you know, workouts, all the, all the workouts that we know of are, are mapped on the, you know, on there and you can, you can get in there and find one near you. And, and the nice thing about F3 is again, since it's free and, you know, we're not collecting dues or membership, you know, registrations or anything like just show up. That's it. Just go to whatever park or high school, you know, parking lot or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it might be that's uh, near your house, man, and, and just show up. So yeah, F3Nation.com, you can learn about that uh, uh, there. And as far as me, uh, if you want to find me, uh, if you're a Twitter guy um, or gal, you can go to, uh, this is my idiot F3 nickname. So now I'm revealing the, the thing, right? Um, but it's Dark Helmet F3. Uh, so it's at Dark Helmet F3. Um, and, uh, if you wanted to find me on, I guess on Insta, I'm at the unlocked leader. Um, I don't really do a lot of Insta, but, um, but my name is Frank Schwartz. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's pretty obvious if you did like a Frank Schwartz, Charlotte, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one because Frank isn't exactly what you call a popular name, you know, <laughs> right. At least in the under 70 crowd, you know, you just mentioned the the unlocked man and we didn't even talk about it like can you can you tell me yeah uh, it's kind of a little side project little hustle you know if you will and and really just really quick to kind of give you a, a high level um what i have found is that the reason i believe anyway the reason that most men struggle in their lives is that they have not got a purpose they have not identified their personal purpose and they say things like oh well uh my purpose is to help people. Yeah. Yes. No kidding. That's everyone's purpose, right? That's, that is the universal purpose that every human being on the planet shares together is to help other people. But you personally, individually have some role to play there and some purpose for which you have been placed here because you have a specific set of talents and abilities that you have been given. They're different than mine. You know, um, there's guys who like things like I hear these things called spreadsheets. They like those. I don't, I don't even put one in front of me. I don't even understand what that is. I don't want to hear about it. You know, apparently there's details out there. I don't know what those are. Don't even, I'm not interested. Don't talk to me about that. You know? Um, so you, I believe that every man has a, has a personal purpose and that his job is to, to try and divine what that is to uncover it. 
um, to get past those self-limiting beliefs and that, that BS story that he tells himself every day about who he is and change those things so that he can move forward and, and start living on purpose, like really truly for what he was created to do. Because I'm telling you the times that I do that and thankfully, you know, F3 is, is perfectly aligned, you know, with my, my personal purpose. Right. Um, which we, we talked about when we started, but, um, but yeah, so that's what the unlocked man is. If you go to the unlocked you can find, you know, find me there too. So, um, but, uh, it's, it's, a it's an online community. It's free. Uh, as well. You can join me on zoom calls on Friday and we talk about personal purpose and, and how we kind of try to figure it out and, and, uh, and get there. So yep, awesome. that's what that's all about. Yep. Well, I'll have links, uh, in the show notes. So, uh, all you listening out there, uh, check it out, like subscribe and, you know, follow them on social media. Uh, you know, uh, confident you'll, you'll love 43 feet podcasts and, uh, especially the Dave Hollenbach episode. Yeah. You want to check that one out. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, brother. I really appreciate it, man. Same, same. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of from embers to excellence. Please like, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on your favorite podcast platform and visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. My goal is and always will be to add value to as many people as possible. So if I can be of any assistance to you or someone you know, please connect with me via email or on one of my social media accounts linked on the homepage of my website. Remember, our failures don't define us unless we let them, and the only true measure of a leader is the success of their team.